how could he have this many people around him that loved him that would have listened to him if they need you know if he needed it or would have tried to help him need it and he got to that point where or he didn't just didn't believe that he I don't know he didn't believe that anyone was there to talk to him he didn't want to be a burden on anybody and he believed that suicide was the only way out Welcome to the Depression Files, where we talk about everything related to mental health, from depression and other mental illnesses, to medication, to suicide awareness and prevention, to our current mental health system, and of course, to the stigma that surrounds mental illnesses. We educate those who may know little about mental illnesses while giving hope to those who may be suffering. I'm your host, Al Levin, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. Hey, I want to welcome Tom Chapman to the show all the way from England. Welcome, Tom. Hello. Thank you ever so much for having me on. Ah, I'm really excited to have you on, Tom. So I learned um, about you through various articles and such. There was um, quite a bit of publicity about what you what you are doing with the Lions Barber Collective. Could you tell us... Uh, just uh, in summary, what exactly the Lions Barber Collective is all about? Um, well, basically, the Lions Barber Collective is a uh, group of barbers that I founded uh, well two years ago. We announced it today. Um, it's actually our second anniversary today. Hey, um, perfect. Congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, because we announced on 2011 World Suicide Prevention Day. So... Essentially, the Lions Barber Collective is a group of barbers that are, we have two main missions. Um, and one of them is to raise awareness for mental well-being and suicide prevention. Uh, we hope to lower the stigma and taboo around uh, around the subject, around suicide and mental health. Uh, we have lots of different uh, roles. Uh, the Lion, you can anyone can be a Lion supporter. And that just means you're, you're a barber and you're letting people know that it's okay to talk to you. And you will listen non-judgmentally. And when they're in your chair, it's a safe place. Um, and, and that barbershop is a, a safe environment for conversation about your mental well-being. Um, and we believe that barbers are in a very privileged position of trust. Mm. So when they are, you know, people are sat in that chair, they open up to their barbers because of that level of intimacy. You're in a personal space. Um, and... You're not in there. You're not in their social circle. So the confidentiality. Once you leave those four walls, um, whatever you've discussed and offloaded is often left behind. Um, the other thing we we want to do. Our second mission is um, education. So we're developing a training program as well to uh, bespoke to barbers in sort of mental health um, awareness and um, suicide intervention. Wow, that is fantastic. So all of it is really wrapped around. Um, talking about mental illnesses, knowing that um, any of your clients can talk to you openly about mental illnesses, help uh, reduce the stigma, and also uh, this new piece that sounds like to help educate other other barbers, it sounds like? Yeah, that's the plan. It's um, a training program bespoke to barbering. I um, So when I first founded the Barbers Alliance Barber Collective, I I went to go and do some training myself okay. to find out a little bit more about it. I did um, assist training 
which uh, originates from Canada, I believe, and also Mental Health First Aid, which originates in Australia. And uh, both of them were uh, two-day courses. They were quite intense. They were really good. Um, but I, I even organized a Mental Health First Aid training session, got funding for it for barbers and hairdressers. And it was quite a hard sell um, because it was two days. Uh, mental health training sounded quite heavy to a lot of the guys. And and uh, I've managed to fill it and got, you know, 15 guys on there. That is awesome. It was really good, but it sort of made me realize that, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, they're self-employed. So if we could get it down to one day, make it bespoke to barbers, make it, um, you know, it's a different situation. You're sat in a chair in front of somebody speaking to someone through a mirror and you're you're touching that person. You see them, you have such a long, uh, a long relationship and you have a lot of follow-up. You see your clients, some of them weekly. So it's kind of a different situation from a lot of the suicide intervention and, and, and mental health first aid sort of roles that they put you through. I think it is, uh, it is amazing what you are doing. And I think, uh, yeah, it's incredible to hear about. So can you, uh, tell us about, so it's two years now. Um, and what was it that brought you to this idea about, um, the Lions Barber Collective? Originally it started off, with a with a comment on a Facebook group, a barber in Facebook group um, called New World Barbers, and um, my idea was to get a group of barbers together and create a lookbook, so um, a collection of men's haircuts images. You know, if you go to the barber shop and there's like books you can look through to get ideas for haircuts. So the idea was get everyone together, everyone donate an image of their haircuts and we were going to raise money for charity, sell it and raise money for charity or give it away and get sponsorship and money for charity. So that was the idea originally. And we were discussing charities and there was lots of charities being sort of banded about. And one of the guys mentioned suicide prevention. Um, that hit me quite hard because I'd lost a friend to suicide, an old friend to suicide about a year before that. Okay. And, the fact that when we were talking about charities, suicide prevention never even entered my mind really hit me hard because I'd suffered from it. Yeah, you know, I'd had that in that that experience with suicide and I was completely unaware of any organizations or charities or even thinking about it as a charity. Mm. So I figured if I you know, someone who's been affected doesn't even realise that there's organizations out there then how many people out there suffering don't realize about these organizations? So as soon as he said that, there's a good friend of mine from Ireland called Paul Mack. As soon as he said that, I was, I was all over it. I was like, that's what it's got to be for. It's got to do, we've got to do something for suicide prevention. And I had a flashback to being at my friend's wake and saying to a group of friends, we need to do something for him. You know, we need to do something. This is, this is, this is ridiculous. This has even happened. Um, what can we do? And with it, you know, in about twelve months' time, it manifested itself in the form of the lions. I think everything has a reason, and and this has sort of become a purpose. Yeah, that is incredible. Um, do you mind uh, getting into your buddy a bit, who ended up taking his life from suicide? Did you know that he was going through a tough time at all? I, I didn't. I think that's. 
you know, part of the problem is I know that he'd been away, he'd been traveling with his girlfriend and um I mean we were we were friends for a long time. We we when we were younger we used to both we're both into punk rock and um hardcore punk and uh we both we both love wrestling um and you know that's a bit of a guilty pleasure not many uh there's not many open it's more closet wrestling fans isn't it <laughs> so when you find someone that likes wrestling as well you know we used to sit and watch japanese and sort of all the independent you know we used to get all the bootleg dvds and stuff we spent a lot of time doing stuff like that right and that sort of brings you know brings people close together that link doesn't it so we're good friends but you know, as you get a bit older and you're working all the time and you sort of drift apart a little bit, although we'd see each other out and about and all the time. Um, and I saw him in town a few days before and uh, I was on my lunch break and I bumped into him just at the bottom of the road where my where the salon was I was working at the time. And there was a general, you know, small talk, you know, uh, back and forth and... There would have no doubt been something about wrestling thrown into that uh, conversation, right, and, right. and and then and then we just sort of parted ways. I started to get back to work. My lunch break is over, um, and I didn't notice anything, and I never thought or you know believed that'd be my last conversation with him. Yeah, and if I had, I probably would have taken more notes of what we spoke about. But you know, and I can't believe that I didn't see anything. Um, there was no signs, there was no, you know, it was a normal conversation that I'd had with him many, many times and back to work I went and, uh, yeah. And, and that was, that was the last time I spoke to him. Yeah. Yeah. How, uh, how did you find out about his death? <clears throat> it was a, a, a few days later and, uh, I was just about to, I just got into bed I put my phone on charge. I noticed that my phone was going crazy with notifications. And, uh, I, I, well, you know, curiosity got the better of me and I had a little look and I saw on there that, <clears throat> that rest in peace and it, with his name over and over again and frantically sort of started searching for it, you know, to try and find what had happened and I know sometimes you know in the back of my mind I was hoping oh perhaps someone you know what it's like with Chinese whispers and all of that you never know what's happened you know someone might have had an accident in hospital and you know people say that <clears throat> expect the worst and spread and rumors fly all over the internet now don't they and right I was frantically searching for something to see it was okay and uh, I spoke to a couple of our good friends mutual friends and they one of them confirmed that he had he had taken his life and it was that sense of i don't know that sense of panic and rush over your body and that anxiety and tightness in your chest and it was a uh, it was a difficult moment to think that somebody so young with with so many friends and sort of I don't know, just a a good guy that was always part of everything that was going on, you know, he was always part of the the group and he was never a you know, he never sort of excluded from anything and to think that he would consider that right. was quite difficult. So I 
I know that there was history of that within his family. Um, so I know, you know there's always that possibility there, but it was still a huge shock and a huge loss. So yeah. it was it was something I didn't didn't sleep <laughs> that night. Right. Um, and spent a lot of time talking to a lot of guys and reminiscing and trying to find out if he'd spoken to anyone. But as far as I found, all the guys that I'd known and known for, I mean, I'd known him since I was 18, 17, 18. So he must have been 15. Um, and, you know, all the punk gigs and things. And right. I've seen him growing up, you know, and, and to do that. It was just, you know, taken away from us. It was, it was yeah, very hard. Yeah, I'm really sorry for your loss. Uh, how old was he when he took his life? He was twenty. He was twenty-seven. So, you know, it's one of those. He's not. You know, he wasn't old. He wasn't. He was, you know, prime. Yeah. Prime of your life, you know, and all of that, and I, you know, the funeral was. I mean, well, we went down to the crematorium and. I've never seen that many people in one place. I don't, <laughs> don't think it was just so packed out with people, and we were going through. And I went into the crematorium, and I was at that point in the crowd where, when I when we got through the doors into the crematorium, there were no more seats left. So, mm. me and a few of my friends were sort of ushered right down to the front, and we were right next to him. And uh, and there was still no room in the crematorium for it. There were people stood outside the whole building. Wow. They couldn't get anyone in. And um, I, it was a different perspective seeing it from where I was because I was stood next to him, probably within about four foot of him, and uh, looking back on everybody. And I could see everybody's faces oh, and emotion, man. love and hurt and confusion. And, and it was... It was difficult because I was, I think, because I was so close to him, but I was also seeing everyone's reaction. And every other funeral I've been to has predominantly been older people that, you know, their, their time has come. Mm. And I've been down looking, concentrating on them. But to see it from that perspective made me just wonder how could he have this many people around him that loved him that would have listened to him if they need, you know, if he needed it or would have tried to help him if he needed it. And he got to that point where, or he didn't just didn't believe that he, I don't know, he didn't believe that anyone was there to talk to him. He didn't want to be a burden on anybody. And he believed that suicide was the only way out. So um, that's when I said before, like after the wake, after the uh, a, a service at the wake, I was talking to a few of the guys and said, we need to do something. I can't believe there was that many people there that cared for him and it got it to this situation. Yeah. Wow, that must have it. It must have felt a bit surreal. I'm thinking. Yeah, it was surreal. Um, it was surreal, and I think that I know that moment. They uh, played an alkaline trio song, um, and it was a song, obviously, that we all remembered from our youth together. And seeing, looking around, and seeing everybody at that moment. That was when we, I knew that we needed to do something. Um, so, and I'll never, you know, our country will always be that that band now. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but it, I, I don't know. It's funny how life, you know, the journey of life, and how it's that incident has led me to become 
the founder of the Lions Barber Collective and, and um, working towards suicide prevention and and integrating it with, with barbering and hairdressing. And it's just, I don't know, I think hopefully that something good will come from it and we can make positives from it. Yeah, well, let me tell you, uh, you know, you say you hope something good comes from it. It already has. I mean, I'm sure you are making a huge, huge difference. And, uh, yeah, I mean, to think that his suicide has really changed the trajectory of your life and and what you're doing. That's pretty cool. It has. um, I never, you know, I never thought it would. I never thought when I found out on Facebook that night that I'd be sat here talking to you on this podcast, you know, helping raise awareness about about mental illness and mental well-being and suicide prevention and and i think the fact that that has happened is is huge absolutely yeah uh yeah it's absolutely huge i can't i really really commend you and and have so much respect for what you're doing um so when uh and thank you for for sharing such a personal piece of your life with us um, when, when somebody walks into your barber shop, how do they know what the Lions Barber Collective is all about? I think, um, the, the biggest thing that, the biggest thing that I've done personally, um, that's made a big difference is it, well, in my opinion is publicly telling people it's okay to talk to me and publicly letting people know that I'll listen to them and not judge. Um, and I think that is that's all it takes, really. I think the fact that it's non-clinical and uh, combined with you know that, that relationship of the barber um, and the fact that people you know let you in to their personal space. You know, the, if I went up to somebody on the street and touched their face or their neck, it would be odd. It'd be weird. Right, right. But as soon as you sit in a chair, you let people do that to you. And it might be the first time that barber's ever you've ever you meet that barber, and within you know a minute they're touching your face and your shoulders and your hair right uh, and, and there is that instant trust and connection there and i've been in hair since i was uh well for 16 years and there's always been that underlying sort of bit of a joke that oh i'm a hairdresser or i'm a barber but i'm also a psychotherapist and a, and a counselor <laughs> yeah right people do just people do just talk to them your barbers and hairdressers. So I think it's something that is actually there already. People do talk to their hairdressers and barbers. And I think women talk to their hairdressers more. And I started off as a hairdresser, but I do think that with a bit of encouragement, barbers, you know, men will open up to their barbers. And I think it is starting to happen. I think the biggest thing is, you know, for the barbers to let their clients know it's okay to talk to them. And and that's that's the biggest thing I've done. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's nothing, you know, you don't have to have any training just to listen to somebody and not judge. Yeah, I love I love that. Um, in fact, that's something that I've been tweeting out is, you know, talk to people. And if you think somebody's depressed, ask them. And yeah. I always say, like, you don't have to be an expert to ask no. and to listen empathetically. No, exactly. Empathy. And it's, it's, you don't need training to have empathy. You don't need training to listen to someone. We're all human. You know, we all we've all been through stuff. We've all, you know, yeah. all had good and bad days, depending on what level. I know, you know, some extremes, but 
we've all been through stuff and you know you don't have to say i know what you're feeling just just say look i don't know what you're feeling but i'm i'm here to listen and i'm not going to judge you yeah exactly so are you a single uh chair barbershop no i'm i so i've literally literally on the 1st of september i sold my shop to one of my colleagues because me personally i was running a shop I was running the Lions. I do education, so I I travel around the world like educating barbering, and I've got a young family, and uh, my wife's pregnant again. Hey, congratulations! So I decided, <laughs> thank you. I decided that um, that's an exclusive, by the way. <laughs> I decided, <laughs> All right, awesome. <laughs> I, I decided that for my own mental well-being. I needed to take something out of that equation and I actually sold my shop. I still work there, um, but part-time. So I still cut hair for well, four days a week. Um, but I needed more time to concentrate on the lions. So I have sold a shop and I'm concentrating on that now, okay. which has given me an a day or two a week to be able to do it because I was doing it in between clients and after work. And so, I don't actually own the shop anymore, but there's six chairs in there. Okay, okay. And are all six of the, are the barbers that all work there a part of the Lions Barber Collective? Yeah, so everyone that's there has had um, a, a level of training of some form, and they're all supportive of the, the movement, and they all, uh, they're all sort of very open to listening. They're all great guys, to be honest with you, guys and girls. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So do you guys, are there any posters up or anything that describes Lions Barber Collective? So when somebody walks in, you know, it's almost like a conversation piece. Hey, what's this all about? Yeah. So we have like, we have window stickers, we have um, mirror stickers, we have leaflets, our Lions Barber Collective leaflets, uh, which we're just about to um, redesign and do some new bits and pieces because we've just, um, we're just about... So we've applied to become a, uh, an official charity, cool. and we are—we needed five thousand pounds to become a charity. Um, but you, uh, there was been a bit of a chicken and egg situation for the last sort of six to eight months. So you needed five thousand pounds to become a charity, but you need a charity number to get a bank account. So you've got nowhere to put the money to raise. So it's been going around and around for ages, but we've managed to get five thousand pounds. We're on the we're on the verge of getting our charity number any minute now, and um, so we're going to sit down and we've actually got the funds. We're going to do some more literature leaflet stickers. We're going to get some window stickers made with the lions uh, proudly supporting mental well-being on them, um, and posters and all sorts of all sorts of stuff. Um, get that out there now. We're actually going to have the ability to fundraise. Ah, oh, that is fantastic. Yeah, it's exciting. It's very exciting. So you are dedicating uh, more and more of your time. First of all, you know, I think what you did by taking a step back from the shop, um, very wise choice, you know, like you said, uh, kids at home and, and growing the family, working on this piece, which which is so important. And uh, so I think you, it was probably a difficult choice for you, I bet, to sell the shop, but um, a wise one to take something off of your plate for your own mental health. Yeah, I mean, it was. it's funny because the Lions has become 
a purpose almost you know like um obviously there's no you know monetary gain or financial benefits or whatever and i've been told a lot of times by people since starting the lions that you need to you know you need to concentrate on your business you need to step back from that and my accountant saying <laughs> you know you're taking more and more time out of the business doing free you know public speaking and this and that and right. you need to be back in there and all this and um i just believed that it was the right thing to do and and you know and it's proven that now i think so yeah i'm uh, moving forward the lions bible collective is going to be a priority my family and you know i'm still going to be cutting hair i'm still going to be in my shop and i'm still going to be you know teaching and doing stage work and things so i get to do all the things i love and i've taken one of those well one of the biggest pressures on me of looking after staff and wages and you know all the tax returns and all this sort of stuff that i had to worry about before right has been taken away so that i can concentrate on that because i need to if i you can't pour from an empty cup right so yeah if my if my mental mental health is not good then how can i help other people yeah absolutely um hey how'd you come up with the name lions barber collective uh so <clears throat> this was another thing it was discussion between the group of barbers i got together collective was something we were quite keen on using um just being a collective of barbers to start off with and the so there's the lions rugby team have you heard of that i can't say that i have <laughs> so the lions so uh lions rugby team is a uh an international rugby team but it's great britain so it's england ireland scotland and wales all together so the best of all the countries together okay. and they do tours around the world and, um so because when we started the barbers were from england ireland scotland and wales that's where that idea came from um originally so that's why we called ourselves the lions bible collective because we were great britain and um then it kind of developed and lions you know uh, uh, courage and bravery and they have a pride around them even though they're the king of the jungle they have a pride that supports them and the lion's roar can be heard for miles and so there's and you know, lots and lots of things have come from that and it kind of funny how you have this you know this one idea or this one thing and it grows organically and it just seems to be right and it falls into place and i think i've been very lucky with the lions because you know two years ago to the day i exactly the same time i was sat having a conversation with a guy from the daily telegraph which is a national paper about announcing what we were doing for the Lions Bible Collective and, and, and mental health and mental well-being. And <clears throat> that just kind of happened as well. I don't know how they found out about us. We'd been formed about two weeks and we announced <laughs> it. Then, and it just, these things happen. I've never, ever had to force the Lions. I've never had to, I've had people email me and message me and say, oh, I want to start something off. I'm not quite sure what, but how do you get to, what you're doing with the Lions. How do you get the coverage? How do you, and I said, you know, I always reply like I'm just been very lucky. I think the idea, you know, you can have the best idea in the world, but if other people don't think it's a good idea, then it's very hard to get any sort of legs or momentum with it. Um, but the fact that it's quite simple and other people have just jumped on board and supported it. And 
it means it must it must be working it must be something that is apparent to others um i just think you can't force things in life and life has a way and uh, and you know these things happen for a reason yeah absolutely and i think uh yeah i mean what a what a cool fit and what a great purpose i think you're absolutely right you know you mentioned how you have a special bond with your clients when you're the barber and people open up and you're you're really you're taking advantage in the best of possible ways of that situation and it's uh you know i think mental illness is um a hot topic now too so it happened to be good timing i'm thinking um you know the suicide rates keep going up and up and more and more people need to start talking about suicide prevention awareness mental illness eliminating the stigma and i just uh, i give you so much credit for what you're doing i know you had mentioned to me too um the lion's den project which involves some some more training that you're rolling out is that right so um yeah i mean the lion's den project the idea is <clears throat> we've been doing it for a while in in uh, in our shop and it we <clears throat> so one of the lion's trustees is a uh, support worker so we had the idea that once a month we would have a drop-in support group in the shop whilst the shop's open, um, and he would come and wait in the uh, in the waiting area and just and just be there, just sit and be there. Yeah, um, you know, talking to people, the more people I've spoken to over the last couple of years, have uh, said that when they go to support groups, they're always in depressing environments or an old disused church hall and you know like that scene in fight club when it's just you know it seems so depressing you think if you're in a depressed state the last place you want to be is an old disused church hall with no character or vibe or and it you feel like you're going somewhere for for that reason uh, and then clinical like uh counseling you've got to go in and you fill out a form how depressed do you feel today? How, how, you know, what have you felt this last week on a scale of one to 10? And we wanted to eliminate all of that and just have a drop-in support group in the barbershop, in the waiting area where guys just go and sit and wait and talk all the time. So it's a working shop. There's people cutting their hair, uh, going on all around you. No one's paying any attention. Everyone's just sitting there. You can come in and talk to, um, in our place, we have a guy called Sean, um and he's just there to listen signpost give you any information about local and national um organizations that possibly help you and we do it last friday of every month for the last couple of hours of opening time and sometimes we have you know one or two people in sometimes we have 10 people in and you know it's gone from on one occasion a couple of people were talking to him and then the rest of the guys joined in. It was a busy evening and the guys and the people cutting hair joined in. And we all had a massive com- group conversation between all of us. Um, That's fantastic. You know, <clears throat> which is great. And we're really lucky because across the road we have a Domino's Pizza and they, they sponsor us by giving us free pizzas when we have our Lion's Den event. So everyone gets free pizza too, um, <clears throat> which is quite good. But it, it's something that, you know, the Lion's Den project is something that we want to uh, roll out because I was trying to look at lots of people want to get involved and want to help. And <clears throat> the Lion's Den project is completely free. It doesn't cost anybody anything. The barbershops are already open. Right. You're not, you're not, it doesn't, you don't have to stay open for it or stay late. Or you're not missing any time with your family or anything like that. Um, 
and you just need to find a volunteer who is a support worker or a mental health professional of some shape or form to donate two hours a month and yeah on the last friday of the month have your own lines den and we have um finally got these lines den agreements and information forms in place so that if anyone is out there who's a barber and thinks that a lion's den support group would benefit your community then you can give us an email um which is uh, info at the lions com, and we can we can give you over the forms and give you a bit more information and my dream hopefully for lion's den is that you know, in a couple of years' time, we'll have lion's dens all over the world so that people know on the last Friday of the month, you can go to your barber shop and there'll be a drop-in support group, whether you just want to go and talk to someone, let off a bit of um, bit of steam, or whether you need some information. And I don't know, for example, we had a guy who's depressed and he's uh, hasn't got anywhere to live. <clears throat> so he came in and Sean helped him with local housing and all these sorts of things and put them in the right direction. Ah, that's incredible. So there's lots and lots of different things going on all the time, but that is our, you know, our, our main goal at the moment is get the lion's dens out there um, and get people involved and support local communities because barbershops are pillars of the community. There are, I mean, you think how many people from each community visit a barbershop? Uh, the reach is quite big and, the Lions Barb Collective isn't, we're not trying to be, we're not trying to take over from mental health professionals, we're not trying to make barbers into counsellors. We're just trying to bridge that gap between the community and the professionals because a lot of people don't go to the GPs, a lot of people don't um, <clears throat> go to find, they don't know about these organisations that are out there. So if we can bridge that gap and be the, the signposters, then we're, we're on to a winner. I mean, I think they said, um, we did a survey with Bluebeard's Revenge a little while ago and the the percentages were overwhelming and how many people see the same barber every month and and go to the same barber shops um i think it said so uh same do you visit the same barber shop is 89.4 percent of people visit oh, the same barber shop always um and you know the when they go into the statistics of how many people go to their same GP, it was, it was ridiculously low. I can't remember it now, but because GPs are always changing the doctors, um, you don't have a family doctor anymore. So there's, there's a lot of bond between barbers and their clients. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true. Back when I had hair, because now I shave my head, so I don't go to the barber. But I remember as a kid going to a small, single-chair barbershop, um, a barbershop here in the Twin Cities called Dick's, and it was one guy named Dick who cut my hair for all for the longest time. And then I actually got to, as a kid, essentially, watch him grow. He bought yeah. a, a different shop across the street, and then he had five chairs in there, but I always made sure I got to see Dick and not one of the other barbers and uh, had a great bond with him. I remember him to this day, and that was like in my elementary school days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got I've got clients that I've been cutting their hair for 16 years, and they had <clears throat> they they were single. I was the first person that they told they were going to propose to their now wife. <laughs> right, right. They didn't want to tell any of their friends because in case she found out. 
And then I was, you know, they came in and told me about her being pregnant and her being pregnant again. And their kids now goes, you have their haircut and go into school. And, you know, and you think <clears throat> I've seen their whole life evolve in front of them. So you do have that bond with them, which I don't believe that you have that bond with your GP. You don't have a family doctor anymore. It's not like, well, here in the UK, I know that for a fact, you know, and there's a lot of times when here the, the, the doctors are so busy that they will refer you to phone calls if you don't, they don't think it's, you know, desperate for you to come down for the surgery. Yeah, well, and it's the same here in the United States where, you know, people are changing doctors because our insurances are changing all the time and yeah. then you, you can't see the same doctor. So you got to go to a different doctor and they see you in like a 20 minute time slot. So you yeah. better know what you're going to ask. And that's the one the one thing you get. And then they shuffle you out of there. Yeah. Yeah. I think <clears throat> there's there's been a movement over here for better mental health training for doctors and GPs. Um, which is which is fantastic, but it's it's the time you have, you know. And I think you go in and you write that they say on a scale of one to ten, how happy have you been this week? And on a scale of one to ten, you know, have you thought about suicide or scale? You know, and you think it, it, it's such a difficult thing to do. And a lot of people don't want to be diagnosed as well, which is a big problem um, mm. uh, because for a lot of guys, you know, especially if you're you know, separated and you've got children involved, you don't want to be diagnosed with, say, bipolar or depression or because then you may be stopped from seeing your children. So I think, you know, having that support around you and perhaps going into um, a lion's den would would help you project gap and give you that nudge to say, look, go to your GP, it will help you or go to um <clears throat> the samaritans here or mind or all the different organizations that we have here um and and they will help you it's not a bad thing because i think people are scared of being diagnosed and mis um, um wrong diagnosis as well yeah which I, th happens a lot. I think you're absolutely right and i think you know, you talked earlier on about helping destigmatize, really get rid of the stigma, right? And I think the stigma does prevent people from seeking help because there is that stigma and all of a sudden you have a diagnosis and what does that mean and what are people going to think about me and I, I can't let people know or I might have to take a medicine. And the yeah. more we open up about it, the more we have conversations, which is what, uh, you know, the Lions Barber Collective sounds like it's all about the more, like you said, you can bridge that gap and let people know it is okay to talk about it and it is okay to get help. And, uh, yeah. you know, imagine, imagine your buddy who, you know, unfortunately so tragically took his own life. If he had walked into your barber shop and somebody had said, you know, tell me what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think that it can be as simple as that. I'm not saying that, yeah, I, I honestly believe that suicide is somebody's own choice and you cannot take that away from them. I think we we all have a right to make our own decisions in life, but I do believe that suicide is preventable. I do believe that, you know, by talking and listening to one another, we can prevent, you know, a lot of suicides. Um, but, you know, being diagnosed doesn't necessarily mean the end either. I mean, one of my very, very good friends in barbering, uh, a guy called Lawrence Foe, is part of the Lions. He, um, I, I would never say suffers with bipolar. He has bipolar, but he is also incredibly successful barber. He teaches. He's just been in Sweden with me 
uh, we're working on stage together teaching barbers and he's got you know he's been on the front cover of barbering magazines he's had all these images published he's won competitions he's you know and he's taken he was wrongly diagnosed for years and he's taken you know he's taken medication he does all that sort of stuff but he he come off his medication and he made himself, you know, um, he, 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 I don't know. He, he doesn't suffer with it. He made use of it. He made use of his manias and he, and he boos into his advantage. You don't have to suffer, you know, right, right. recovery. You know, you can move forward with stuff. Yeah. And he's managing it. Yeah. He's managing it well. And he's yeah. doing, Okay, I, I get a phone call from him sometimes saying oh, I'm having a bad day and I'm doing this, but he knows he's got a support group around him. Absolutely. Which is the thing, you know, and having that support group, whether it be your family, your barber, your, you know, your friends, whoever, I think that's the important thing. And isolation is a big thing um, for people suffering. And with that, I mean, we, like I said earlier on, we work with Domino's Pizza locally in the southwest of England. And we, like, we give them our leaflets and we put our leaflets on top of their boxes when they give them out to delivery because I mean, how better to reach people that are isolated. If you're isolated, you're going to order yes. food to take out, aren't you? You're going to order it to be delivered. Yeah. So you know, when you get your pizza, it's got a thing about mental health and mental well-being and suicide prevention on top of it. Hopefully we'll reach a few people that way. That is really cool because you're absolutely right. I mean, it's huge that people with depression isolate and it's one of the worst things um, that you can do when you have depression. So yeah, to hit them up through a delivery service of food, pizza joint, that's, that is, that it was smart thinking of you. That was really cool. And I love, uh, the lion's den project. I think that's phenomenal. Um, I'm a huge supporter of support groups. I think you, um, connect with people right away who have been through similar, um, similar situations and similar challenges and you kind of build an instant trust with these people, knowing that that they can really understand what you've been through. Yeah, yeah, I think it's. I, I think the biggest thing is to just let people know it's okay to talk to you yeah. publicly. Just, just say to everyone, you know, it's okay to talk to me. We're we're either supporting the Lions Barber Collective, and we we support mental well being, and we're a non judgmental, safe place. Or even you don't, you don't have to mention us. Just say that. Just tell people, you know, it's okay to talk to us. I mean, today is World Suicide Prevention Day, 10th of September. And, and you know, we've, I did a video yesterday just talking a little bit about the lions and talking about suicide prevention and just let people know it's okay to talk to you. I'll listen. I won't judge you. And it's a non-clinical environment. No one's going to get diagnosed. And just do a little bit of research yourself. You know, just Google local suicide prevention or local mental health organizations and get in touch with them. I keep cards by my station for Samaritans, which is a national um, uh, charity, and Mind, which is also a national charity. Right. So we we'll have people that are there and are in a bad way. You know, it doesn't have to be suicide intervention. You don't have to create a safe plan for them and contact some of their relatives or or anything like that and disarm their plan. It might just be as simple as going, here you go, here's a card for this organization. You can call them at any time of the day and they'll listen to you. Uh, they're there for you. And just having that little bit of support can really make, make a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. So if people want to uh, learn more about Lions Barber Collective, where can they go on the internet? So, I mean, we can, you've got a website, which is thelionsbarbercollective.com. Okay. Uh, we've also got uh, Twitter, which is at the Lions Barbers. 
Um, our Facebook is quite active. So if you search Lions Bible Collective on Facebook, it's quite active. Um, and you can get to our email through all of those or contact us through all of those. And um, if anyone's out there wants to sign up to the Lions Den and help, you know, spread that word and, and that reach, then please do give us an email or get in contact with us and hopefully we can, you know, add to the pride of lions and make us bigger and bigger. Yeah. And that you're talking uh, internationally, right? So internationally, anyone can be involved. We've had interest from Texas, Canada, Brazil. Let's see. I've just been to Sweden. I'm going to Norway this month and Holland too. So yeah, we've had interest from all over the place. That's fantastic. And, uh, the other question I wanted to ask you is if there are people out there that want to support lions, barber collective, whether it's through monetary ways or other, um, should they just reach out to you through the website as well? Yeah, reach out to the website or Facebook. We've got a um, a donate button on our website. Um, but yeah, we I mean just just give us a shout if anyone wants to help support us, then that's fantastic. Um, we have uh, <clears throat> uh, lions like T-shirts and things that you can buy on uh, Fabric Market. So if you go, to, if you just Google Fabric Market, then that comes up on there, and you can get Lions T-shirts and stuff. We've got quite a few different types, uh, and yeah, we have Lions supporters packs you can buy as well with stickers and things. And if you want to, if you want to help or support, please do get in contact with us, and we will try and you know try our best to find a way of supporting. Yeah, fantastic. Then, so for example. Uh, can anybody just, uh, like I could, I would imagine I could walk into a barber shop and say, Hey, have you ever heard of the lion's barber collective? You know, please check this out to just try to help promote the word throughout barbers locally. Yeah, please do. Please do. I mean, I think, you know, generally barbers, I think there was, I read a statistic a couple of weeks ago that barbers spend about 2000 hours a year listening. So barbers right. are generally good listeners and they are generally people, 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 you know what I mean? They, yeah, they, they, absolutely. They, so most of the time our reaction has been really good from other barbers. Sometimes you get horrendous. I, the worst thing I've ever heard is uh, somebody was doing a project in the UK about filming uh, suicide prevention, suicide awareness and they went into some barber shops before they found us, and they went to a barber shop, an old, uh, more of an old school, traditional style barber shop. And the guy almost chased them out of there when he was talking about suicide. Um, he said it was a way of keeping the population down, and it was a good Whoa. thing, sort of stuff, and survival of the fittest, and all this sort of stuff. And it just kind of took me back to think that that attitude was still around, um, but. I'd say 99.9% of our interaction with barbers has been positive and everybody wants to get on board and help. And, um, I think that is a dying opinion. Thank Mm. God. Thank God. And when I speak to the younger people, I go to the colleges especially and talk to the guys in, in, you know, barber training, barber school and all of that, they just totally get it. And, and there's no, there's no sort of, you know, having to talk the idea, you know, win them over with it. They're just like, yeah, totally, we get it. So that I, I think the future is is bright, and I think that the kids are 100% of our future, whichever way we look at it. So we can educate them, and hopefully with our training program that we're building, my, my goal is to get that into the colleges, into the qualification, 
so that when you go through your barber school, one of your days will be the Barber Talk Lions uh, education. So that when you finish your barbering qualification, you are qualified to be able to recognize the signs of you know, mental health, uh, be able to talk, ask direct questions, be able to listen non-judgmentally, and then have all the information to signpost to organizations that are able to help your clients. Ah, that is that is fantastic. I, um, what a fantastic idea to get into the educational side of it and and get the mental awareness piece into the actual you know certification process uh, for barbers. I mean that's that's the dream. That is the plan because they are the future. And if you can do that, <clears throat> you know, twenty years from that point, pretty much everybody in the industry is going to have that training. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I love your other dream, which uh, I am looking forward to um, being able to walk in the last Friday of every month and uh, see all of the local barber shops having their own lions den going on. Yeah, we got to look after our <laughs> clients. Our clients pay our pay our bills. Yeah, yeah. It's pay to live. I mean, without our clients, we wouldn't have our shops. So it is important we look after them. Absolutely. Well. Hey, Tom, I want to thank you so much for the incredible work you do. And I want to take uh, also take a second to thank you for uh, taking time out of your day uh, to share uh, all about the Lions Barber Collective with us here on the Depression Files. No problem. It was a uh, it was a fantastic way to start my Sunday morning. I must say I've, I've really enjoyed talking to you and it's a pleasure to be you know, on, on your podcast on your podcast and just yeah amazing that i'm sat here talking to you on the other side of the pond about about suicide prevention and depression it's 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 a great thing and i think awareness is growing and together we're stronger it's something that i strongly believe together we are all stronger absolutely all right well make sure you stay in touch thank you again good luck i will be um watching you as you grow this uh barber's collective Thank you. Hopefully I'll um, be able to come out and see you guys out there soon. Absolutely. That sounds great. All right. Take care. uh, Stay healthy and uh, good luck with the business. Thank you ever so much. All right. Thank you for listening to The Depression Files. Please know that if you are currently suffering from depression and are experiencing thoughts of suicide, please reach out for help. In the United States, you can text to 741741. To connect with a trained crisis counselor, or you can go to suicide.org for a list of international suicide hotlines. If you're a man who has experienced depression and would like to be interviewed for the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at AlLevin18. Thank you again for listening to The Depression Files. <laughs>